by and by to lead us back to love. Come behold the manger for a bed where the King of Kings has laid his head. Light of lights, eternal hope has come. Hear the angel song break the silence. Good morning. Whoa. Good morning, everybody. Amen. How many's glad to be awake this morning? Oh, there's four. Good. Praise the Lord, ladies. Y'all carrying Jesus somewhere? All right. Somebody's stealing the manger. We found the thieves. Amen. What's that? King size bed. Oh my lord. Okay. I got it. King size bed. Everybody got it? Okay. Sandy wants to make sure you understand what she's trying to say. King size bed. Amen. Uh, turn to your neighbor and tell him I'm glad you're here today. Amen. How many's uh, how many's in your right mind this morning? Or close, maybe, as much as you've checked. Hopefully you had uh, good breakfast. Thank you. I was surprised this morning we cooked. I thought they'd pass out Pop-Tarts this morning, but uh, they had a good breakfast this morning. Our ushers are going to wait upon you for our Sunday school offering. You give us unto the Lord in our adult Sunday school class. Our offering goes toward our uh, Sunday school endeavor, our teaching ministry, uh, buying curriculum, helping out with decorations, transportation, all that good stuff. So give us unto the Lord. And uh, it's a very important ministry. While you're giving, let me mention uh, a couple of announcements. There are the adult class uh, Sunday school books for this class that we're going through for this quarter, which is December, January, February. If you ordered one, please see Teresa to pick that up. Uh, our Christmas service and our Christmas for Christ offering will be on Sunday, December the 22nd, which is the Sunday before Christmas. And there will be no Sunday school that Sunday morning. On the Sunday before Christmas, the 22nd, it'll be only a.m. service, which is at 1030. There'll be no class time that day. We're going to come together for a Christmas service, and uh, we'll be hearing the word of the Lord, worshiping together. And we'll receive our Christmas for Christ offering. Now, let me mention what Christmas for Christ is. That is an offering that goes to support starting brand new churches in areas of our state. Uh, and we are involved in one of those and you'll hear more about it here in the coming months. We're gonna be more involved in that in the next uh, couple of months. But uh, right now we are reaching out uh, to our, the community of Carlisle. And uh, when somebody starts a church, they're, they need funds. They need, they need funds. Yeah, y'all just, hey guys, just turn me off when you feel like something. <laughs> When you don't like the announcement, just turn me off. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> I don't like that. Okay, I like that. I like to give those guys a hard time. Our sound guys are awesome. My Lord, we come every week and we have, uh, you won't believe, they, they're finding, they find stuff every weekend that's, uh, it's a problem. It's always technical issues and, I appreciate their, their 
faithfulness, that's for sure. So I have to give them a hard time every once in a while. Amen. Somebody say amen. <laughs> uh, anyway, Christmas for Christ is uh, the raising up of new works. And today during the offering time, uh, there are envelopes on both sides. These are the same envelopes on either side, I believe. And uh, two sets. So there's a dollar amount on the envelope. And what this basically means is you pick uh, what you feel uh, prayerfully to give to the raising up of new churches in our state and communities around our state. And uh, on the Christmas Sunday offering, we'll be bringing this specific offering on the 22nd of December, our Christmas for Christ offering. And uh, so during the offering today, the regular offering, walk by a table, grab an envelope, and say that's what I'm gonna give uh, on the 22nd toward uh, starting new churches. There is a church Christmas party uh, coming up on December the 22nd also, the, the Sunday before Christmas at 6 p.m. And uh, we'll be kind of recapping the year, uh, photos and videos of uh, what's happened. Um, no, sorry, sorry. That, scratch that. Oh, on the 22nd, we want you to submit a family photo, a family Christmas photo, just a family photo, by tomorrow to the Apostolics of Salem at Hotmail. You can uh, send it there, or you can send it at ACS Apostolic Church of Salem, ACS Media 618 at Gmail. Uh, so be mindful of that. Submit a family picture. We're going to be uh, seeing those at the Christmas party. Uh, we have a watch night service, which is on Tuesday, watch night. Uh, that's New Year's Eve, Tuesday, December the 31st at 7 p.m. And that night, you bring your family's favorite potluck. And I guess your family favorite dish kind of is a potluck. I guess since it's Thanksgiving's over, Christmas over, just bring your leftovers <laughs> that night. I think by then our favorite potluck will be, uh, you know, it's funny, last night we've had turkey dressing, mashed potatoes, mac and tomatoes and, and all that good stuff all week. I've eaten so much bread and bacon uh, uh, and so the last three nights, our supper's been the same. About 8.45 last night, I got a craving for Taco Bell. <laughs> just like, I just need, see anybody else get last night? Taco Bell, just like, I just need some terrible food. Grade D, but edible food. <laughs> Amen. So uh, on that watch night service, what you know, there's a favorite kind of dish. Your family really likes that dish. Bring that that night and please contact Sherry Tipsword by the 22nd of December if you'd like to participate in singing there'll be special singing now make I'm gonna make this very clear Sherry's not going to get you a song practice with you and teach it to you if you are gifted in singing and want to sing have a soundtrack know how to play want to get somebody to play Sherry is coordinating that but uh, she's not teaching you the song okay isn't that good, Sherry? You like that? You like that announcement? <laughs> Sherry's just coordinating that night. And so if you have a family members that y'all sing together, uh, and maybe they're scattered around, bring them that night and sing. I mean, surely more if you want to dress up like Elvis and sing Christmas carols. <laughs> you could do that, couldn't you? <laughs> yes, you, well, carefully, carefully. Uh, also send photos of 2019 recap uh, videos or anything uh, before the recap video. If you have photos or videos 
to uh, Blake Byers. His, his email address is bbyers at ugst.edu. Got all that? I think it's up there. Yeah, that's it, right there. Yep. <laughs> Uh, let me also, there will be an executive, I made an executive decision today. I hope that's okay. That's why they paid me the big bucks. And here's the decisions they paid me the big bucks for. We've been here all last week. So tomorrow there will be no prayer meeting here at the church. We encourage you to pray at some point tomorrow. But there'll be no corporate prayer tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Is that okay? All right. Thank you so much for uh, that. Uh, we are continuing in a wonderful uh, series of lessons, Mary, Did You Know? Everybody say that, Mary, Did You Know? And today is a very, very important lesson. And before we get into it, I want us to pray and just ask the Lord to be with us. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this, this day we have. Lord, and the privilege we have to be in your presence today. Lord, we know where two or three are gathered together in your name. You are there in the midst of them, and we praise you for that. We know that your spirit brings benefit, that we have liberty where your spirit is, that there's freedom where your spirit is, that there's life where your spirit is. Lord, we praise you for that, so we know something wonderful is going to happen in each of us today, and we ask you to let it happen in this class today. Let us to experience your word in a powerful way to our personal hearts. In Jesus' name we ask it. And everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. amen. All right, let's talk about, uh, this, is, this is a very, very important lesson and it's entitled Trusting in Every Circumstance. Would you say that? Trusting in every circumstance. Let's say it one more time. Trusting in every circumstance. And these lessons that we've been hearing have a lot to do with the Christmas story and uh, Mary's um, pondering the promise and being faithful. Today, trusting, about trusting God, uh, trusting God. Uh, one of the most powerful, one of the most, one of, I guess because I like it so much because of a powerful moment that I heard it. I remember uh, just after the, the death of my grandfather, uh, we were in the, uh, funeral parlor before all the, you know, they opened the doors for the public to come in and our family was gathered there and uh, my pastor was there and his wife and, and just before they, the visit time for visitation uh, came, uh, Sister Mangan kind of gathered everybody together and she started singing, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." I was 18 years old and uh, standing in that room and I have to say that when I heard that, it was like I was hearing it for the first time. Uh, it really spoke to me. And uh, how many's ever been in a service and that you've heard that song a hundred times, but on a certain day, in a certain circumstance, it, it, it spoke to you. It, it really did. And so uh, uh, trusting the Lord is, I, th I think we, we don't, it doesn't come naturally. Uh, it's, a, it, it's an act of faith. Amen. Trusting God is an act of faith and um, trusting the Lord is very important. The big idea today for this lesson is this. We must trust God even when circumstances make it difficult to believe our promise is ever going to be fulfilled. We must trust God even 
in circumstances that seem to, to go the other way. Amen. We can trust the Lord. I said we can trust the Lord. Amen. And our jumping off, the diving board today is John 19, verse 25 through 27. We'll read those verses. Now there stood by the cross. Now I know it's Christmas time, but we're, we're going to talk for a minute about trusting the Lord. There stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Verse 27, Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own house. Now that's an odd few verses there because we know Mary was a spouse to Joseph 33 and a half years before this. We know she had more children than Jesus. Jesus was her firstborn. She had more children after Jesus. But here at the cross, uh, it seems the Bible says he talked to a disciple, the one he loved, and we, that, that's John. Uh, and he talks to John and says, uh, this is your mother. And he takes Mary to his own home. Now, that seems kind of odd if she's still married to Joseph, doesn't it? <laughs> So obviously, Joseph is probably deceased by this time, uh, and Jesus commends the care of his mother into the apostle, the disciple John, uh, and that's what's happening here. So on the cross, Jesus is thinking about his, his mother, and that's interesting. Uh, he, one of his last acts is making sure she's taken care of, and... Um, when we start talking about trusting God, we're dealing with Christmas and, and the, the birth of Jesus. But let's fast forward here for a moment, 33 years, and see Mary watching Jesus die on a cross, die on a cross. Uh, when I thought about this, I, I tried to bring into my mind what it would feel like or what the experience would be if you were a parent and you, were, you could watch your child die. I mean, not get a phone call that they died, but you're actually there. And I was quickly taken back to when I was, uh, I was 19 years old. I was in Bible school. I had a friend that was a year behind me in high school. And tragically, uh, uh, in the middle of the night, some fella uh, in the neighborhood and broke into their house while they weren't there and he hid in the closet and when the family all went to bed uh, in the wee hours of the morning, this, this teenager, this guy, troubled, uh, comes out of the closet, uh, threatens uh, this person, uh, tells them, you know, you, you can't scream. If you scream, he had a knife and, and, uh, and uh, this young lady screamed out and he stabbed her one time in the chest and I remember, um, and she passed away, and I remember going to the funeral, and I remember talking to her dad, and I never forgot this statement. Uh, they jumped in the vehicle and started driving toward the hospital, and he said, I cannot describe to you how helpless you feel when you're holding your child knowing she's going to die. You watch her die. How helpless. I never forgot that. I don't know how you would get through that, 
They, they say if you bury your parents, you bury your past. They say if you bury your spouse, you bury your present. But they say if you bury your children, you bury a child, you bury your future. That's the reality of it. And many people go through that. There are people that lose children. You know, the process of living and dying usually is, we were talking to Sister Sandy the other day in the kitchen, and I said, you know, when I start thinking about it, uh, my grandparents, my, my parents were not far behind their parents. I said, you know, just, just 20 to 25 years down the road, they're getting to the point where their health is fragile, my parents. And then I start thinking, Sister Sandy made the statement, yeah, when my parents died, I thought, I'm next in line. <laughs> it's like, okay, now I'm the next. That's what happens. So, uh, but when you bury your children, it's like, that's not the normal process. You're supposed to, uh, you die in the hope knowing that something lives behind you. But when your child dies before you, there's a hope that's lost. Amen. Mary knew who Jesus was. She knew he was the Savior. She knew he was the Messiah. But never, think about it, the angel said, you'll call his name Jesus for he will be a Savior. But never in her wildest dreams could she dream that the day uh, would come that she would watch him die this way. This doesn't look much like a Savior. In fact, not long ago, Jesus was healing blind people, opening deaf ears. Not long ago, he was feeding multitudes with five loaves and two fishes. Not long ago, he was defying natural law and walking on the water. But that is not today. He is on a cross. Today, he is being mocked. He is being beaten. And ultimately, he will die a death of crucifixion. Mary knew he was the Messiah. Nobody else could see it. A king receives a crown. He received a crown of thorns. He's their deliverer, but now he is the one who needs deliverance. Somebody say amen. These are the thoughts uh, that run through Mary's mind. How, how do we keep trusting when things seem to be falling apart. A king, if he is a king, he is supposed to be honored. If he is a savior, how could he be a savior when he cannot even save himself? Everybody here today? It's extremely difficult to understand. But the angel had given Mary a promise. He will save his people from their sin. The angel did not tell Mary how. <laughs> when she took him to the temple to, to have him circumcised uh, as the custom was, she took him to the temple. The Bible tells us there were two old timers there. Thank God for pillars of the church that are faithful. Two faithful saints of God. Uh, and Simeon takes that child in his hands and he begins to prophesy and he looks at Mary and he says, oh, this, this child's gonna pierce even through your heart. Now, she probably thought, well, that's strange. Some old guy that, you know, he, he's senile. Maybe he's losing it. The angel told me, Savior, the old preacher's, <laughs> he, he's 
He should have closed. But he said, oh, this, this child, the sorrow is going to pierce your heart. Despite the circumstances, the angel had given Mary a promise. And despite all that, uh, for some reason, she, she stands there at the cross knowing what the angel said, knowing who Jesus is and was, and she had to hold on to a promise despite what seemed like at the moment as terrible defeat. Despite what others said, despite what others did, Mary had to hold on to a word, a promise that was given to her a long time ago. <laughs> Isn't it just like the Lord, he just comes and it's a glorious moment and, and there's all kind of miraculous things happen and, and he drops this promise on you an angelic visitation to Mary, do notice that that didn't happen every 30 days to strengthen her faith. Do know that on his birthday, the angels didn't show up again and say, oh, let me remind you what I said a year ago. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? She got one word and she had to be faithful. She just, hey, I don't understand it, but I'm gonna be faithful. I'm gonna keep on keeping on even when I don't understand what is going on. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? You know the Bible says the race is not to the swiftest. Oh, anybody can jump out of starting blocks and take off running like a house of fire. I mean, I'm standing somewhere. I'm not sure where I'm standing. I just ought to be appreciative that I was standing, I guess. But I was talking to Brother Robbie, and Brother Robbie, we were talking about running a mile, and Brother Robbie said, Brother Gene, do you know that when I was a lot younger, I think he said, how old were you, 12? Eighth grade, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 you were. 13. You see how you use that calculator, right? Eight and five is 13. That's if you started school when you were five, but anyway. Uh, 13, he said, I ran a mile. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not a mile. He ran a lap around the track, around the track at high school. He ran a lap in 59 seconds. I'm telling you what, dude, that's quick. He, I, I looked at him and said, you were huffing it. You didn't stop. He said, oh, yeah. He said, when I got done, I about collapsed. That's fast. That's a quarter of a mile. I bet he couldn't do that right now. I bet none of us could do that right now. They don't raise them like they used to. I bet those kids up in that corner classroom couldn't do that right now. They'd look at that track and go into rebellion. No, I'm, getting, I'm going back to play games. I bet they could do it on their game system. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> so, the race is not to the swiftest. You know, even Robbie can run a quarter mile in 59 seconds. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? The race is not to those that run fast for 59 seconds. The race is to those that are still running when the race is over. I'm gonna tell you right now, as a pastor of this church, the greatest need I see in the people of God 
is not worship, not even prayer, not even talking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit. You know what the greatest need we have? Is to be faithful. Just keep on keeping on. Doesn't matter if I win the lottery or I don't have a dime. I'm gonna keep on keeping on. Doesn't matter if I feel good or I don't feel good, I'm gonna keep on keeping on. Doesn't matter if what comes my way, I'm gonna keep on trusting God. I, uh, I didn't start this to quit halfway up. You know, I'm, not, I'm not finished yet, I'm just gonna keep on. Uh, there's Sundays I don't want to come to church, just so you know that, just so the record's clear. I know most folks won't tell you that, but there's Sundays I don't even want to come to church. But I'm called to be faithful. I said, I'm called, you're called to be faithful. The Bible says, what will the, what will the son of man when he comes find faith? That's the question. Not, not uh, whether you're <laughs> cooking dumplings just are you marching? Remember that? Just march. Just, just keep praying. Just keep believing. Just keep trusting. I'm gonna tell you, every word God's ever said to you as an individual and every promise he's ever given his body collectively in this church, he cannot lie. He will not lie. And we will not make him a liar. <laughs> You can even fight what he tried to promise you. You're not gonna make him a liar. <laughs> Somebody say amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap today if you believe that. I wanna hurry today. I wanna... We often receive promises from the Lord and then begin to create scenarios in which we think God will fulfill them. <laughs> A lot of times we receive a promise from the Lord and then we start creating the scenery in which he's gonna fulfill them. We set the stage. Oh, if he told me that, then this has gotta happen and that's gotta happen and that. Oh, man. You shall have a son. You'll call his name Jesus. He'll be a savior. I didn't plan for a cross. I didn't see a cross on the stage. We start creating, we seldom imagine the road to the promise is filled with hardship. No, if I've got a promise, then I'm gonna be blessed. It's gonna be easy. It's, everything's gonna work out. We don't imagine that it will take as long as it often does. Sometimes it takes a long time for us to see the answer to the promise God gave us. Here's something else very important. The promise between, or the time between the moment the promise is given. This is in your notes. I think it's so important you ought to feel this in. The time between the moment the promise is given and the moment the problem is fulfilled, the time between that is often a lot of unexpected hardship. The life between the giving of the promise and the fulfilling of it usually is very difficult. Amen. In fact, think about it. Having a promise from God and the time between the promise and the fulfillment is much like a woman expecting a baby. There's a bright future, but it's really uncomfortable right now. There you have it. Somebody say amen. We must trust 
that the fulfillment of the promise is going to be worth the discomfort. If, a, if the time between the promise and the fulfillment is like expecting a baby, then we need to trust that the, the fulfillment is going to be worth the discomfort. I don't. Uh, be patient with me here for a moment, but I'm very thankful that uh, there is gender distinction. I appreciate that. And uh, I, I know that uh, ladies uh, have a, uh, a, a privilege that we men don't have in giving birth to children. Now, I know in the world in which we live, there are some men that think they want to experience that. Uh, I'm thankful that that's not on my job description. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking that uh, if it were on the men's job description, every family would have one child. Because, <laughs> buddy, when you get through that, it's like, uh-uh-uh, no, 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 no. In fact, it'd be like, uh, Lord, hand me off to a disciple to take me home and take care of me because I ain't going back to that fella. <laughs> One child, everything I've gone. How can a, I mean, I talked to people, they had nine, ten, talking to somebody like one of the nights at the play, and they said, yeah, mom had 12 children. <laughs> I mean, my Lord. You ever heard the carrying on that goes on in a delivery room? Well, no. Now they got medicine for that. Cheryl, you know, she's in uh, labor and they come in and give her epidural and I walk back in. She goes, I don't know who invented that, but whoever it is is going to be in heaven. <laughs> I don't care if, she said, I don't care if he murdered people, shot somebody, whoever invented that, he's going to be in heaven. He's sitting there, you know, whistling Dixie. Philip, you're here today. <laughs> Good to see you today. They just had a little baby. That, you know, and medicine helps with some of that, but I don't. I, the time between the promise and the fulfillment of it, yeah, it can be very difficult. But I want to tell you, the fulfillment of the promise is worth the discomfort. <laughs> David Hazard in his book, You Set My Spirit Free, says it this way. For many people, many of the people long ago, God's prophetic words did not come to pass in the way they expected that was because, like us, they did not seek God's higher view first and interpret what he told them from their own self-serving viewpoint in the wrong way, that is. They also looked for absolutely literal fulfillment of God's word, ignoring the fact that he was addressing spiritual conditions. Somebody say amen. Say, well, how does that happen? Let's look at it. Genesis 46, verse 3. Read it with me. Read it with me. I think it's up there. Yes. Read it with me. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. Verse 4. I will go down with thee into Egypt. That's good to know, isn't it? And what? I will surely bring thee up again and Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. That's awesome. You know who he's talking to there? Take a shot. Don't be afraid to go down to Egypt. I'm going with you and Joseph's going to put his hand on your eyes. Jacob, 
Somebody say Jacob. He's talking to Jacob. Jacob was afraid to go to Egypt. Let's set the story. What's in Egypt? Who's in Egypt? Not only Pharaoh, his name's in this verse. Joseph is in Egypt, right? And it's been made, this man who's thought his son's been dead for years now finds out his son's alive and is vice president of Egypt. He's fearful to go because he's gonna move to a strange place, strange language, strange customs, and he's got this apprehension. And the Lord says, Jacob, don't be afraid. I'm going with you. And then he makes a, a statement. I'm not only going with you, I'm gonna bring you up again. I'll bring you back. Let that sit in for a minute. The Lord said, go to Egypt. I'm going with you and don't be afraid. I'm gonna bring you back. I will bring you back. Do you know that Jacob died in Egypt? In fact, do you know how he got out of Egypt? Do you know how he was brought back? Huh? Yeah, Moses, years later, is getting ready to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. You remember that? Those people gather together, and before they leave, yep, they go to the graveyard. We ain't leaving this precious stuff here. The Bible says they get Joseph, they get Jacob. <laughs> Man, what a funeral possession. 40 years carting grandpa around. Now this is a strange conversation, but I was in a, uh, in a funeral home a, a, a few nights ago and I was talking to Larry and, and Lucas and, and uh, we were talking about, you know, uh, end of life decisions and we started talking about cremation and, you know, how... People are going that way and say, so, you know, uh, I, I asked him, I said, what does the state require for you? Because do you have to have a burial? He said, oh, no, well, you know, when, if they're cremated, we just give the remains to the family and, and it's whatever they want to do. I said, really? I said, well, is, this, is the law different if you don't cremate? Like if, you, like if you have a viewing and you don't cremate? And he said, oh, no, as long as, as you said, as long as you're embalmed, you could... I mean, you could take them home. And I said, so prop me up by the jukebox is really the truth. <laughs> it's exactly what I said. He said, yeah. And Lucas, then he said this, and I kid you not. He said, oh, sure. He said, there's one family. He said, there's one family uh, that, that they took the bot. Actually, he's a funeral director. He was, he was retiring, and, and, and they put him in the closet of the funeral home, and he stayed 30 years dead in the closet. Yeah, Nicole, I see that look on your face like that. There's no way. Yeah, way. I said, you mean the state doesn't require you to? No, uh -uh. Third, they said finally that some, you know, they find, said the authorities finally, not that they had to, but they said, look, this is starting to creep people out. You need to. So look up. You know, husbands, if you're, if uh, wives, if your husband passes and you want to prop him up in the closet, 
I, you didn't know you'd learn so much today in the adult class, did you? Years they had the funeral director. <laughs> funeral home's spooky enough, isn't it? These people get Jacob and carry him out. Did God lie? Now, wait a minute. Jacob dies knowing he heard from God. He said, don't be afraid because I will bring you up again. He died. <laughs> I wonder if Jacob thought God had lied to him. Think about it. God said, I'm going to bring you back. Don't be afraid. I'll bring you back. He didn't know how he was going to bring him back. He died thinking, you know what? There's a second part of this promise that I haven't seen happen yet. <laughs> Did God lie? Absolutely not. Jacob's children brought Jacob's body back and buried him in the land God had promised him. God cannot lie. He ceases to be God when he does. So whether we live or die, his promise is going to come to pass. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and say, thank you, Lord, for that word today. Amen. Thank you for that word today. Thank you for that word today. Here's something else. It's in your notes. You can fill it in. Just because circumstances seem contrary to the promise does not mean God is not going to fulfill it. Amen? Think about these two people. First of all, Joseph. Just after Joseph dreams his brothers are bowing to him, he's sold into slavery. Thrown in a pit, sold into slavery. Not long after that, he's put in prison. For over 20 years, he languishes in Egypt, and then God's word comes to pass. Think about Noah. Everybody say, Noah. Hey, here's what we were talking about a minute ago, faithfulness. You remember that? Race not being to the swiftest. Come on now, stay with me. Noah, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, for 120 years. Guess what he was doing? Nailing, sawing, building, crafting. Those were long, long dry years. There was no sign of even a need for a boat. There was no indication whatsoever that God was about to flood the earth. There was only one thing. It was a promise. And Noah held on to a promise. It kept him sawing. It kept him nailing. It kept him year. Listen, I want to tell you, I don't feel like worshiping every Sunday I come, but something keeps me worshiping. It's because I'm holding on to a promise. I don't feel like praying every prayer meeting, but something keeps me praying. It's because I'm holding on to a promise. He cannot lie. Oh, somebody say amen. Man, I'm feeling something up here. God is good. Perhaps the whole thing seems silly to Noah. If Noah was anything like us, he probably looked every day for a sign. Is there ever going to be a cloud? He didn't even know what a cloud was. Not wasting a sign that he was not wasting his time. All he had was a word. Noah, build an ark for the saving of your family. I'll tell you what, friend. God doesn't work on our time clock. Here's something very important. It's so important it's in your notes. 
circumstances sometimes make it difficult to believe our promises will ever be fulfilled. In fact, I've heard people say, Brother Gene, I started praying about that and it didn't get better, it got worse. I started praying for my child to be saved. You know what? They got worse. I'm gonna quit praying. You're foolish. Usually, it doesn't get better before it gets worse. I think I said that right. Yeah, whatever. You know what I meant. I think you did. I can't allow circumstances to cause me to stop believing. Amen? Here's something else very important. The issue we struggle with is not adverse circumstances as much. How many have circumstances you wish were different? Yeah. That, that's not our greatest struggle. The greatest struggle is not so much our circumstances as much as our expectations. It's like Mary standing at the crucifixion. The battle is in her mind. Another Mary and her sister Martha give us a good, a good example of expectations. They thought Jesus should come and heal their brother. But like a good pastor, he waited till he died. Did you hear that? He didn't come the day he was called. He waited four more days. Anybody hear what I'm saying? John eleven twenty one. Then Martha said unto Jesus, look at it. Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. Verse 34, look at it. Then came, comes Mary. When she comes where Jesus was, she saw him fell down his feet saying, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother would not have died. They both said the same thing. They'd probably been talking about it. Two good women, they've been talking about it. You, you. Oh yeah, they've been talking. They both said the exact same thing. I don't know how they memorized that line, but they've been talking about this. Jesus didn't show up. And when they both have an audience with Jesus, they say exactly the same thing. Lord, if you'd have been here. But you know what? In the eyes of Jesus, Lazarus wasn't dead, was he? In fact, four days later, he turns to his disciples and says, okay, now it's time to go. And they say, where are you going? He says, I'm going to wake Lazarus up for he's asleep. They're saying, our brother's dead. Jesus said, oh, no, he's not dead. <laughs> See, in my eyes, it looks different than it does to the Lord. <laughs> and I can blame God for not showing up and not doing it the way I thought he should, but he sees, oh, anybody hearing what I'm saying? The book of Hebrews, you ought to read it sometimes, especially the 11th chapter. The Bible starts talking about miraculous things that happens, but then all of a sudden the story turns. And it says that there are many who did not receive the promise. They only believed them. They never even saw them, but they held on to them. I want to be one of those if I need be. If I have to be that one, I want to hold on until I die. I'm holding on. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. I hustle here today. The difficulty we face, the difficulty we face is we have a limited amount of insight. Paul said it, we see through a glass darkly. Amen? We don't know everything. Not only do we think God is going to work a certain way, but we often think he's going to do so within a certain time period. And when God does not do it as quickly as we think he should, we're tempted to think he won't do it at all. But that's not usually our first thought, is it? 
No, that's not our first thought. Because when God doesn't work in our time frame, we don't jump from that to, well, I guess he's not going to do it. Wait, listen now, listen. This is very important. We don't go from, well, God told me and it hadn't happened, so I guess he's not going to do it. That's not the leap. We, that's a big leap. You know where we go first? I guess God really didn't make that promise. I wonder if I made that up. Maybe I had eaten too much pizza that night. We, oh, we don't go to, well, God's not going to do it. No, we know better than say that. We may get there, but before we get there, we start saying, maybe that was me. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Before long, we start adding, well, maybe I didn't hear God correctly, or maybe God doesn't even care about me. And our expectations get us in a mess. I'll tell you what, don't you ever forget that God loves you. He has never forsaken you. Don't you ever forget that you heard what God said. You know you heard it. It was so loud, you're listening. you had your earbuds in and you heard it anyway. <laughs> oh, you're not hearing me. You had the volume pumped and you were listening to your podcast and you heard it anyway. That's how loud he said it. Hold on to it. Don't let go of it. Keep on standing. Keep on worshiping God. When it don't seem like it's going that way, just put your expectations on the altar and say, Lord, I'm believing your word and I'm trusting you today. We need to trust God despite what the circumstances say. Look at this. Genesis 15, 7. This is God speaking to Abraham. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. Somebody say amen. Isn't that great when somebody wants to give you land? You know what you hear the old timers say? They ain't making no more of that. Right? Oh, I don't want cars and boats. No, give me land. They ain't making no more of that. <laughs> Woo, I'm feeling anointed. Somebody wants to give you land. Abraham believed it. I'm going to get this land. But he thought he would personally get it. In fact, the next verse, he says, how will I know you're going to give it to me? It didn't happen as quickly as Abraham thought it would happen. In fact, it wasn't for another 400 years. 400 years. For centuries, but it happened. Folks, he just called us to be faithful. And every once in a while, he drops a promise in us, and we think it's going to happen by 630 tonight. Sometimes we just got to keep on marching and believing and trusting, and we may march right into our grave, but we're going to go there believing. <laughs> These all died in faith. We're going to keep on trusting. Anybody hear what I'm saying right now? Somebody say amen. God will fulfill his promises. When things do not go according to your plan, hold on to the one who gave you the promise. When things don't go according to your plan, 
Hold on to the one that gave you the promise. Let's talk about Abraham for a moment. He's asked to sacrifice his promise. That must have been a difficult thing to do. He loved the promise giver more than the promise. He took Isaac to the mountain and was preparing to sacrifice him. Our eyes of understanding will open when we learn to trust God despite the circumstances. I know what God said three days ago, but now he says, don't touch him, unbind him, for I know that you love me. (laughs) Perhaps Mary drew strength from the story of that father of the Jewish people, Abraham. Perhaps she stands at the cross thinking, I'm sure Abraham didn't know what God was doing. I'm going to keep believing. God is unchanging. What he did for Mary and what he did for Abraham, he will do for you. God will come through for you. And I'm just going to keep on keeping on. I'll tell you the story of Charles Blondin. You can Google it. Please, not at this moment. But if you want to check it out, I started to bring a picture of him and a number of pictures that you could get. Uh, you, you know, uh, we're in the information age. That's a great thing. Charles Blondin was a tightrope walker. In 1859, he was the first person to cross Niagara Falls on a tightrope. The cable was 1,300 feet long. It was two inches in diameter. It was wound around an oak tree on the American side. The other end was ferried across and secured to a large rock on the Canadian side. To limit the swaying of this long cable, his friend and manager, Henry Colkerd, stabilized the guide ropes every 20 feet to anchors on both banks. But because of the middle of the, uh, of the, the cable could not be reached, there were about 50 feet in the center of that cable that sagged and swayed dangerously with the changing winds. 10,000 spectators gathered and shortly before 5 p.m. on June the 30th, 1859, Charles Blondin stepped onto a two-inch diameter cable and started his walk across Niagara Falls. Once past the center section, they said Charles broke into a run. I think I'd run too. He got all the way across, everybody cheered. He stepped off the cable, rested a moment, and to the shock of the over 10,000 gathered, he got back on the cable and started back across. But this time, he was carrying a box camera on his back. When he got to the center this time, he stopped, carefully set up the camera, and snapped a picture of the crowd. Yeah. The entire trip took 23 minutes. Once safely on American soil, Blondin immediately announced a series of encore performances, each more daring than the last. On one trip across Niagara Falls on this cable, he sat down and ate a piece of cake. On another trip, he carried a stove and cooking utensils on his back, walked to the center, set the stove up, 
started a fire and cooked an omelet hanging over Niagara Falls on a two-inch diameter cable. Now you're wanting to Google it, aren't you? Yeah. On June the 15th, with President Millard Fillmore in attendance, Blondin walked across backwards, went across and then jumped back up with a wheelbarrow and pushed a wheelbarrow back across. Two weeks later, he somersaulted and backflipped across. Yeah. Occasionally pausing to dangle, acting like he fell with one hand from the cable, pulling himself back up, standing up, and going on. He even, I think, I think Charles is weird, disturbed. He even crossed Niagara Falls blindfolded. <laughs> wow. Charles Blondin. Perhaps his most daring crossing occurred in the month of August. He appeared on the Canadian side of the cable with Harry Culford, his manager, on his back. I thought about that position. I thought about being on his back. That'd take a lot of convincing. Not money up front, no, because you may never see that you know, or spend it. It'd be money afterwards. <laughs> Harry was on his back. He carried Harry, his assistant, across. That'd be the only way I'd get across is if Charlie carried me. Let me tell you something, friend. That's the only way you're going to get across is if Jesus carries you. It's said that Blondin, before stepping up on the guide with his assistant on his back, gave him these fi final and following instructions. This is what he said, and I quote, Look up, Harry. You are no longer Harry Colcord. You are Charles Blondin. Until I clear this place, be a part of me. Mind body, and soul. If I sway, sway with me. Do not attempt to do any balancing yourself. Wow. Now I want to tell you what, friend. That's exactly what Jesus has to say to us. You love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. <laughs> Sway with me. Hold on to me. Don't try to do it on your... Do you know how hard it would be for one man knowing how to cross the Niagara, to know how to balance, to know how to get you there and back, and I start trying to balance myself? You can throw the whole thing into tragedy. And this is exactly what we do when we don't trust the Lord. I know you can look back on your life. I can too. <laughs> there are moments where we didn't trust him like we should and we made a mess of stuff. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. 
Amen. I want us to stand together right now. I want, just want us to pray that God would help us. In fact, if you're standing beside a friend or a spouse or a child, one of your children, just get a hold of them. Put your hand on their shoulder. I want us to pray together. Lord, help us to trust you, even in circumstances today. Lord, maybe sickness today that's still not healed. Maybe circumstances that are still not changed. Things we've been praying for that still hasn't, uh, it hasn't turned around. But today, Lord, we're just dedicating ourselves to the promise you gave us. We're dedicating ourselves to be faithful, <laughs> to keep on keeping on, to hold on, Lord, for you're gonna take us to the other side. <laughs> Lord, we're gonna hold on to you. We're gonna trust you with all of our heart. We're gonna lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways, we're gonna acknowledge you. Thank you for the promise of God. Thank you for the promise of salvation. Thank you for the promise of your return. Thank you for the promise that you prepared a place for those that love you. Thank you for the promises of revival to this community. Thank you to the promises for the promises to every one of these believers here today. We're standing on them. Lord, we're believing you to save our families. Lord, we're believing you to touch our bodies. Lord, we're believing you that our hope is not uh, useless, that we're hoping in the right stuff. I thank you, Lord, for your word. And we praise you that we can trust you today. Somebody say amen. Trusting in every circumstance. Amen. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. Be faithful. Trust God. He won't let you down. Somebody say amen. God bless you. Let's transition. We got a great day of worship today with our Sunday school programs. It's going to be a wonderful day. Thank you for being in the adult class today. God bless you.